Our scripture today is from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. The case of solitary individuals without sons or brothers, yet there is no end to all their toil, and their eyes are never satisfied with riches. For whom am I toiling, they ask, and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And thou, one might prevail against another. Two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Do you guys know that? Hope I'm not surprising anyone today. Valentine's Day is a day I have always enjoyed. I know that it's kind of cool and enlightened these days to rail against Valentine's Day, to complain about how it's a holiday invented by Hallmark and, and just designed to get us to spend money. You know, how it's, it's kind of hip to discuss how it puts too much pressure on single people and, and uh, how there's too much pressure to just make it a perfect kind of day. But I think in the end, all of that criticism is just a little overblown. You know, I don't really care about having the kind of Valentine's Day that has dinner reservations at the swankiest place or $200 worth of roses. I don't think it has to be some kind of perfectly crafted romantic night. You know, this year, Valentine's Day is a Monday, which means a whole lot of us have to go to work and do all the kinds of stuff that, va that Monday brings. I, I like Valentine's Day like on the elementary school level. You know? Like where everybody decorates a shoebox and then brings fun and funny Valentines to share with the whole class. I like the kind of Valentine's Day that's like uh, just a little chocolate heart and a note that says, I love you, I'm glad you're my Valentine. I like the kind of Valentine's Day that celebrates love in, in all the different ways that we give and receive it with our spouses, our parents, our kids, our siblings, our friends. I like Valentine's Day because it is a moment to say to the people in our life, I love you. You're important to me. You make my life so much better. Thank you for being such a good partner or parent or friend or kid or sibling. Th those are things we can't say too often. And I like Valentine's Day because it celebrates love. And the Bible says that God is love. And the Bible says that we love because God first loved us. So we remember as people of faith that we're forgiven by God's love, we're saved by God's love, we're transformed by God's love, and we're sent out as agents into the world to be agents of that love, reflecting what we've received from God back out into the world, reflecting love. That sounds like our mission statement. You guys remember that? Generations of disciples reflecting God's love to our community and the world. What better day to live out that charge of reflecting God's love than Valentine's Day? Any celebration of deep and abiding love 
is a day to give thanks to God for the power, the presence, the mystery of love, and all the good that it does in the world. So hooray for Valentine's Day. Now, Hopefully, we have lots of different people in lots of different settings that we love over the course of our life. But far and away, we do most of our loving at home. At home. Right? The relationships that we have with the people in our family or with our closest friends, the people who come in and out of our houses the most, those are the places where we have the chance to do the most important work of offering love. It's also the place where trying to love one another can go sideways most easily and where we can do great damage and cause great heartbreak. But loving one another well, especially in our most intimate relationships, it takes work, it takes wisdom, it takes practice, it takes faith. So here in these last three weeks of February, we're going to explore together a little bit of the healthy habits of love in our most intimate relationships and celebrate together this gift of love that God has given us. And this is the first and maybe the most important point, that the people in your life with whom you are in intimate relationship are a gift. They are a gift to you. Now, when I say people with whom you are in intimate relationship, I don't just mean physically intimate. In fact, it's quite possible to be physically intimate with someone and not be in an intimate relationship at all. Right? We often call that a one-night stand. And it's not healthy, and it's not good for anyone. And there's plenty more to say about all that, but this is not a sermon about sex, so I'm not going to get off track. So when I say intimate relationships, I'm talking about the people with whom you share your heart. Now, hopefully that means your spouse, if you have one. It can mean your kids. It can mean your parents. It can mean your siblings. It can mean a small number of important friends with whom you do life. In this series, we're going to be talking about some things that apply to marriage and parenting. But as we do so, just know that I never forget that not all of us live in houses with a spouse or with children. Right? We're a community that has all kinds of households. People who are widowed, people who are divorced, people who are estranged from their spouses, people who are single, never married. That was me for 20 years of my adult life, almost 20 years, single, never married. So I don't go around assuming that the whole world is married. And any advice about strong and healthy relationships is not just for married people. So I invite you to remember when we're talking about what we're talking about in this series applies to all kinds of intimate relationships, and you get to decide to whom in your life it best applies. Okay, so back to the point. The people in your life with whom you share your heart, they are a gift to you. They make your life better. They strengthen you. They make your life richer and deeper and healthier and more beautiful. And we need to remember this and we need to say it out loud to ourselves because those same people are also a lot of work. I'm not going to name any names. But the people in our life with whom we're in intimate relationship, they are also a lot of work. They challenge us. They disappoint us. They frustrate us. Our relationships... Uh, our intimate relationships, they come with obligations, they come with responsibilities, and those can feel really heavy at times. Or sometimes it's just the trivial things that get us down, like the days that you can't believe that you're picking up your spouse's shoes from the living room floor one more time to put them in the closet. 
or that you marvel walking into the kitchen that your child still cannot seem after all the times you've asked to get those dishes into the dishwasher when they're dirty. Or maybe you have a mother that can't seem to understand that calling at 7.30 in the morning is really not the most convenient time to talk. Right? Our intimate relationships can stress us out. And in those stressed and annoying times especially, we need to remember that ultimately these people with whom we share our heart, they are a gift to us from the hand of God. They're a gift. They enrich they deepen, they better our lives. And as we learn to love them well, we are shaped and formed into more loving people. And as we are loved by them, we're strengthened and we have help to navigate our lives. Our passage for today from the scriptures, it, it helps us remember and celebrate the gift of our closest people, be it a spouse, a cousin, a friend. This reminder from the book of Ecclesiastes, it applies to all those kinds of relationships. Now, before we talk about the particulars of this passage from chapter 4, I just want to say a word about Ecclesiastes in general, because it's a book that we almost never read from on Sunday morning. And the, the passage that most of us know best from the book of Ecclesiastes comes in the third chapter, and it was made famous by a Pete Seeger song. You guys know that song, also covered by the birds. Turn, turn, turn. Uh, remember the song of the passage, it says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. And it goes through all these pairings. Well, if we sit down, though, to read the whole book of Ecclesiastes and not just that third chapter, the word that will confront us most clearly is vanity. And that was in our scripture for today, too, vanity. Isn't that kind of odd <laughs> to find in the Bible? Vanity. In Hebrew, the word is hevel, and Vanity doesn't quite capture the meaning completely, but it's the best English translation we've got. So this writer, he's not exactly a joyful dude. He says that everything is vanity. He says everything is emptiness and chasing after the wind. <laughs> what he means is it doesn't matter. It's nothing. It's thin as air. It doesn't last. He said he tried to find meaning in life by working as hard as he could, and it was vanity. So he tried to find meaning in life by digging deep into philosophy to learn as much as he could, and it turned out to mean nothing. It was vanity. He tried to find satisfaction in his life by seeking more and fancier pleasures and, and bigger and bigger thrills, and he found all of it was emptiness. It didn't last. It didn't matter. It was all vanity and chasing after the wind. So that big salary that you're chasing that promotion you have your eye on, that doctoral degree you're trying to earn, that big, fancy, fast car, all of it, emptiness at the end, it means nothing. It's a real uplifting message, isn't it? <laughs> but the writer says, what's left then, when we admit all the rest of that is thin as air and disappears, what's left is to enjoy the gift that God has given us today. And those gifts are time with our family and friends and worshiping and remembering God. He says, don't worry about what you're building and what kind of lasting impact you're going to make. Just focus on today. Focus on today and the joy that today brings. So that's Ecclesiastes. Wisdom brought to us from about 250 BCE, which feels pretty applicable today. 
The writer is ready to chuck, just throw out a whole lot of things that we spend time and money on, but the one thing he really likes is friendship or intimate relationship. He considers these people with whom we share our heart to be essential to a happy life, and he makes his case pretty simply, and this is the passage that we read for today. He says, life is simply better when we live it in deep connection to other people. So, working alone, striving alone, it doesn't mean much, but if we work together, we find a reward. He says, if one person falls, the other will be there to lift us up. Woe to anyone who's alone and falls and does not have another to help. And we can think of this literally, right? Like you're out working in a field and you fall into a hole and you're alone, you're in trouble. But if you have someone in the field with you, she'll be there to give you a hand. But of course, that's not just true in farming. It's in any kind of trouble we encounter, no matter what kind of hole we fall down, emotional, relational, spiritual, if we're alone, who will help us? But if someone trusted is there to give us a hand, a word of encouragement, a new perspective to make us laugh, whatever it is that we need to get us out of our hole, they're there to help. And life is a whole lot better with them nearby. The writer goes on, if two lie down together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And that's really true if you're out guarding sheep in the middle of the night. On a cold night, having a companion to lie next to you makes the night a lot warmer. But think about the moments also that we feel cold from grief or from illness or moments when we're in pain of some kind. If we have someone trusted who's near to us, someone we can count on to listen, someone to offer understanding, someone to cry with us, well, those kind of relationships make all the difference when we're feeling vulnerable and in need of comfort. And then the writer says, though one might prevail against another, two will withstand the one. So he's thinking probably practically in terms of safety in numbers, if if you're in ancient Israel and you're traveling down the road between two cities and robbers and bandits, you're alone, they're going to find you very easy prey. But if you're traveling with someone, you're going to be safer. You can fend off attacks more easily. That's true for even me. If I'm walking in my neighborhood alone in the dark, I'd much rather do so with a companion than be all alone. But of course, it's, it's true far beyond that practicality. Whatever journey we're undertaking in life, having someone with us makes us safer, more secure, more able to withstand the challenges. So working together, providing comfort, providing safety. Those are key ways that our intimate relationships enrich and enhance our lives. But you know, it doesn't just happen by chance. We don't just stumble into those kind of relationships. Anyone who's been in a strong and successful long-term relationship knows it takes work and intentionality and practice to make our relationships one where we give and we get the most strength possible. So next week, we're going to talk about some characteristics that we want to focus on to help make our relationships flourish. But today, I want to share some things we can do. So next week's characteristics, this is about actions. What can we do? What are some healthy habits for our most intimate relationships? How do we make sure they stay the kind of partnerships that Ecclesiastes talks about, as strong as a threefold cord? Well, first of all, and this seems really obvious, but it's something that we often neglect in the middle of our busy lives. First thing is spend time together. And I mean intentional, planned time for you to hang out with this person that you love. 
This does not mean watching TV together for an hour every night before you go to bed. I mean, you can do that if you want. That's no problem. But that is not the kind of intentional time together that's going to strengthen your relationship for the long haul. I'm talking about planned time, date nights or weekend activities, times when you can put away your phone and share the things that are on your heart and on your mind, where you can celebrate each other's successes and hold together each other's worries. I had such a tremendous example of this growing up that my parents had a consistent date night every single Friday night that we weren't out of town. And as a kid, I'll tell you, I did not like this habit of theirs. I was not a fan of being left at home with the babysitter, especially if I suspected my parents were headed to a restaurant that I really liked, our poor babysitters. But thankfully, my parents never gave in, no matter how much my brother and I complained and begged to go along. They preserved their Friday night dates my entire childhood, ending their week by spending intentional time together, just the two of them. And now, it's been, of course, decades since my brother and I left the house. After 53 years of marriage, they now have Saturday morning breakfast dates instead. But they continue to set aside that time just to be together. Along with setting aside intentional time to catch up, our most intimate relationships can be explored by sharing common interests. Of course, it's awesome for us to have our own um, hobbies and interests to pursue as friends or as partners, but it's also important to find things that you can do together to cultivate those things as you enjoy and explore the world side by side. And, you know, a whole lot of people in my life know that I love cycling, love it with my whole heart, and often when they meet Matt for the first time, they'll say, oh, do you ride bikes too? Now, Matthew has a bicycle, but he doesn't ride it very often, and he never will love bicycles like I love bicycles. So one thing he does love though is hiking. He loves to go hiking and I do too. So on the weekends, when, and especially whenever we travel, we make it a priority to go hiking, to explore someplace, to make memories together in beautiful places. Another healthy habit for our intimate relationships is to set some goals together. And this might be something like walking or running a 5K with your best friend or making plans for improvements to your house with your spouse. Involve the people that you care the most about in your projects and your dreams. Make decisions together and then work together to make those goals a reality. It's gonna bring you closer and increase your joy to share in the accomplishment. The next habit is uh, one I read about from an author named Suzanne Paleski, and I really love it. I think it's something we often neglect and that is to celebrate good and small moments together. She said, most of us know it's important to be there for our partner during the tough times, but it's just as important to acknowledge the good times too. You know, good times happen more often than bad, and often couples miss the opportunity to connect. So the next time your spouse shares something really positive, like a compliment from their boss, immediately stop what you're doing and focus your full attention on them and help them savor that moment, ask them questions, and celebrate the good news together. In doing so, you'll show gratitude for the happy moments in your marriage as well. And finally, the last point for today is in all our intimate relationships, we need to accept and expect change. Right? The relationship that you have with your best friend is not going to be the same at age 50 as it was at age 15. That doesn't mean it's still not beautiful or wonderful or full of joy, it's just different. A marriage is gonna be different in year 30 than it was in year three. 
because the partners are not the same. And we grow and we change and we mature and our relationships do too. My challenge to you this week is to celebrate Valentine's Day tomorrow with someone who is not expecting it from you. Now, if you and your spouse usually just kind of ignore Valentine's Day, write them a card expressing how much they mean to you. And you know what? If you're sitting here with your spouse and you do it, and they're going to be like, you just did that because Pastor Amy told you to. <laughs> they're still going to like it. I promise you they're still going to like it. And write a card saying how much they mean to you. If, if you have a friend who could really use an encouraging word, take time to send them a Valentine's Day text. It can be really simple. Something like, hey man, I love you. You're so important to me. That's all it needs to say. Reflect on the people in your life who are the biggest gift to you and say thank you to them and say thank you to God and ask for God's help to strengthen and nurture those relationships so that love might abound. Thanks be to God. Amen.